Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Friday edition, Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. A big football weekend straight ahead alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kaharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton as we broadcast from the 6th and Peabody Studios in downtown Nashville, Music City with Yeehaw Brewery and Old Smoky Distillery located right behind the Music City Center. Chad and I about to head to Gainesville, Florida for tomorrow's Outkick the Tailgate show, which starts at 9 a.m. Eastern on campus with the University of Florida as they take on Alabama. PK about to hit a flight to Seattle as the Titans take on the Seahawks, and we'll be back on Monday to recap it all. But a big preview coming up today as well. Gentlemen, good afternoon. It is good to be here. It is good to be right on the verge of a football weekend as we both uh, board planes. After this, which is also very exciting uh, for this show, excited about Outkick the Tailgate um, tomorrow in, in Gainesville, my first trip to the swamp. By the way, people have been asking where they can find us, some Alabama fans, Florida fans going to the game. Best way to describe it is I don't know the layout of the campus. We are behind the center field wall of the baseball stadium. <laughs> at Florida. That, it's right there. If you know where the baseball stadium is, you can find it. You can see it. We're right behind the center field wall. Looking forward to that uh, broadcast tomorrow with Jill Savage. And Paul, I know you're looking forward to heading to the Pacific yes. Northwest. I, I cannot be found in Seattle. I, it's a very quick turnaround. I get in at like <laughs> 9.30 Seattle time on Saturday night, and I'm out at like 6.30 a.m. on Monday. A trip like that, I generally like to, to get in at a reasonable time on Saturday. Spend a little time, but the direct flight thing right now nationwide is not really good out of Nashville, and I'm not taking a long, long connection in order to get a couple hours in Seattle when I can fly direct in the evening. I like it, but not that much. I've been before, so... Big football weekend, guys. Coming up, uh, Bobby Carpenter will join us in about an hour and 15 minutes from now. We'll preview all things college football with OutKick's college football analyst, Bobby Carpenter. And uh, then at 4 o'clock Central, 5 in the East, we talk with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com. Tennessee and Tennessee Tech will kick off tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. on ESPN+. But there are some things uh, roster-wise to get to that won't involve what should be a very large blowout at, at Neyland Stadium. We'll, we'll get into those question marks, including quarterback. That's with Brent and Austin coming up in about two hours. So Bobby Carpenter, who's going to join us later in the show, shout out to him. We talked about our weekend schedules. Bobby right now is in Las Vegas where he did his morning show back in Columbus at like 4 a.m. From like 4 to 8 a.m. he was doing a radio show back in Columbus. And it's hard to go in, uh, to bed early the night before oh. when you're in Las Vegas. Well, he then had media responsibilities. <laughs> did he stay up? We'll ask him. Might just stay up. He, had, he, he had some sort of walkthrough. He's got a, a high school game with Bishop Gorman uh, tonight. 
He's got some sort of walkthrough media interview with them, and then he's going to be hopping back on during our show this afternoon, just nonstop for Bobby Carper. We appreciate his dedication. Yeah, that's very kind of him. How about the game last night, Washington and New York? Um, we nearly pulled off the parlay, and then Daniel Jones in the fourth quarter with about three minutes to go, um, he surpassed 236 yards passing, and um, we lost the parlay. Yeah, some, some of our YouTube chatters told Chad that was going to happen, but it, it, it is we amazing. were alive. I want, to, I want to talk about this game in a second, but it is amazing how accurate Vegas is, not just with the spreads. But with the over-under yardage in passing. Oh, with he, everything, he was, every line. So they took the lead. New York took the lead with four minutes to play in the Something game. Something like that. He was at exactly 236, and the line was 236 and a half. And he went to the sideline at 236. Well, I was debating on just going money line. I hate when it's the three, three and a half points yeah. going money line Washington. And that we still wouldn't have won because, yeah, because he ended up going over. But I was thinking how close it would have been, that razor's edge of the passing yardage, had I gone that route. Well, Chad asked as we were getting ready, uh, you know, was it just a, a too bad football? I, you know, I think it was a compelling game between two average football teams, but I'll take the compelling game. I mean, there were a lot of good throws made, a lot of good catches made, one bad drop made. But a very compelling football game between two teams who were making plays against each other. They might have been making plays against each other because they're not good teams, but that didn't make it any less of a game. Taylor Heineke is for real. He's a, he's a gamer. I don't know if you buy into that or not, but he is resilient when you watch him play. He, didn't, he had a very up-and-down performance overall, made some really tough throws, made some bad ones as well. But... Uh, I love post-game where NFL Network and uh, Michael Irvin and uh, Steve Smith and others, they're peppering him with questions about, are you, do you see yourself as the starter for the rest of the year? This is after one start, and he's only played twice for Washington. One was off the bench last year in the playoffs against Tampa. And uh, his response was, yes. I mean, I, I just I love how he was just matter of fact, yeah, I no feel diplomat. like I'm the starter for the rest of the year, no matter if Fitzpatrick's back or not in eight weeks. It's funny, too, the, the uh, NFL analyst community, which I obviously hear a, lot, a ton, a disproportionate amount from during a football game, right? The people I follow on Twitter are very active during a Thursday night football game, say. So I'm uh, disproportionately hearing that voice. But you know who they're overwhelmingly comparing him to during that game? Ryan Fitzpatrick. They see a lot of Ryan Fitzpatrick in him. You know who I think of when it's not the style of play. It's just where where he's at as a starter. I think of Gardner Minshew. But uh, Minshew Mania in Jacksonville. Needs where to be he's, more consistent. He's he keeping you in games. There's a, there's a fervor to it that's very intriguing. Uh, he's not top 15 quarterback level. It's not like you're seeing some guy that's going to ascend to the ranks of this. I don't. But I see someone that can win games and keep you consistent with Washington's defense and it, with uh, an established run game. And with, you, with McLaurin and others who are stepping up to make some great catches, who knows what this, he's what this certainly team's not, in that division. not a calm-level no. guy, right? He's going to bring you some, some fire and some heat and uh, people like that i like it he seems like a likable guy and i like seeing him fired up i I like the story he's a great story i like his demeanor 
I watched a lot of his post-game press conference. Very likable guy. You root for someone like that. Uh, Washington's going nowhere with him at quarterback. I mean, that, that, that he, I do not believe in Tyler Heineke from what I saw last night. Taylor. Sorry, Taylor. Taylor. We, we're all I'm, doing I'm, that, yeah. I, I, that. Well, Paul's put I'm that in my head. I'm making it contagious. Taylor Heineke, I, I'm not buying um, doing much this year for Washington other than treading water. And look, that's what a, a, an undrafted guy should do when placed in that spot. So I think that he's capable of doing that. He is not the long-term option at quarterback for anyone in this league. Here's my other quarterback question out of this game. Hot, I'll direct it at you because Chad and I had this conversation when you were out of the room when we were getting ready. Yep. When will I stop being surprised at Daniel Jones' running ability? Uh, maybe never if you're still surprised now. I, I don't understand why when I see him glide the way he does, I'm like, wow, that guy can run. <laughs> like, he's, he's I, really I, I impressive. Think, I think for so many people, they're surprised by his running ability. It, they're always going to be surprised until he doesn't look like a junior senator from North Carolina. I mean, he just doesn't, doesn't look like a guy who's going to be running fast, just his everything he, about it. He looks a lot like Eli Manning with a helmet on. Yes. And that, Eli Manning didn't run anything right. like that. So that, that, that's, that's a big part of it, I think, right? Well, the, I mean, the one that got called back a little let's bit. Just say I mean, the obvi- was, let's say the obvious truth. A white guy that looks like Eli Manning is not a right. guy you would expect to run the way Manning. Daniel Jones runs. <laughs> yeah, you expect him to run like a Manning. And I'm not talking about Cooper Manning before the injury, who was a great receiver. I'm talking about Peyton or Eli is how you would expect him to run. I wonder if defenders look at him like that ever. Well, they need to stop. The rest of rest he's running by. He's running right past them. You know, they Josh, Al- Josh Allen is very mobile, too. Yeah. yeah. For but Daniel Jones wins a foot race, doesn't he? Josh Allen's uh, maybe a... Uh, uh, pr- probably. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's close. I mean, Allen doesn't get enough credit for his maneuverability. But Allen's thicker. If you remember, yeah. uh, it was last year, the year before, Daniel Jones had that long run, I think the one that he ended up tripping on over his yes. own seat, yes. yep. that yeah. he was registered as the fastest guy or the second fastest guy in the league at that point. Well, that's another Just thing. straightaway speed. That's a popular It was line, miles per hour he hit. Line last night, every time I see him in the open field, I'm waiting for him to trip. That, he's never going to live that down. What apparently. was going on with the turf monster last night in Washington? No Washington is notorious feet. for this. That Paul's ripped me in the, fa- in the past for this. It is, it is it unacceptable awful. that the NFL has a turf that's that bad. It's like scheduling – Miami's playing at home this week. It's like scheduling the Dolphins at home in September when you know it's hurricane season and these games are going to be delayed. Yeah, they, they just got through bad weather in Miami going into this week. It's like clockwork. And every year, this time of year, going into the fall, the Washington turf – is not up to par with NFL standards, period. Daniel Snyder seems not to, or I should say uh, Tanya Snyder now, right, since she runs the yeah. franchise, uh, doesn't seem to, to care. Well, they've never cared. The NFL doesn't care about that turf. I mean, I care when I watch that game because it's every it, home it game. affected my enjoyment of the game where it feels like every third play – Either a defender or an offensive player was just slipping on nothing. It reminds Does it result me. in injuries the way the Giants stayed. I don't was think doing it did last, last night, but I mean, it resulted in a 15 yard gain being a five yard gain yeah. because a guy tries to make a cut and just falls down. Imagine Jack Rabbit Jenkins on that turf. Oh. <laughs> he said yesterday he's got it down now. He'll go out earlier and figure out his footwear, which is really concerning to me that he didn't know to do that before the game. How about the Jack touchdown? Rabbits are nimble, right? Yeah, supposedly. Okay. Maybe I pick a new the, nickname. If you're going to name yourself something, you can't keep falling yeah, down and call yourself Armadillo, Jack Rabbit. Armadillo Jenkins. 
How about the, the touchdown catch last night that gave Washington the lead before they won the game on the field goal? Adoree Jackson Adoree was, was right in great there. position. He was We've in great that. position. We've seen that before. He even tried to rake the football. It was just strong hands. That was a, uh, a great play and just a bad luck scenario for Adoree Jackson, who did pretty much everything right on that play. Perfectly it, thrown ball. Uh, yeah, and just a, a great toe tap and, and everything. I mean, it's just uh, – NFL's off to a really good start. Yeah. L- let's put it that way. Even on Thursday night, Paul, you mentioned, like, uh, don't care about the level of teams as long as it's a great game. Uh, it, normally it could be a close game, like 24-21. This was, uh, especially in the fourth quarter – this is a lot better than what I expected early on in the season. Three out of four prime times, right? The Rams blew out the, the Bears. Yes. But the rest of them have been really high quality I haven't games. seen the ratings today for, for last night's game, for Thursday night, but the primetime games were all up except for Sunday night, uh, which for whatever reason, and, and maybe it's because uh, the networks want to start and end a season in the same venue. I don't get it, but that's, yeah, that's what? what part of the excuse is. Uh, the Rams were the, home, the, the host team for Sunday Night Football because that will be the stadium where the Super Bowl yeah, is. Yeah, let them host it. Just give them a better opponent. I, I mean, I, I don't understand I mean, why you're obsessed with the stadium, but if you're going to be obsessed with the stadium, just give them a better well, opponent. Well, it's the same reason Vegas was Monday night. I mean, these new stadiums with fans. Deserve spotlights. I, yeah. I get that. I, I, the Bears don't deserve spotlights. Some big matchups this weekend across the league. Titans-Seahawks, one of them. We'll get into that. Uh, the Colts hosting the Rams. Uh, Colts going back-to-back at home. They could start 0-2 at home. And who knew? But there's hard knocks during the regular season now yeah, with how Indy. Get, well, how do you get signed up for that? We'll discuss this and much more. Coming up in about 35 minutes, Chad Withrow has his top five games of the college football weekend that you should pay attention to. And again, Coming up uh, in about an hour and a half, Bobby Carpenter from OutKick.com previews those college games and much more. It's all straight ahead on OutKick360. You can follow us on Twitter at OutKick360. Your online activity is your business. Every device in your digital life should be secured with ExpressVPN. I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use, how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when we're at home, we never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter if you get your internet from Verizon or Comcast or AT&T, ISPs in the U.S. can legally sell your information to ad companies. And ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites that you visit. It keeps your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data, and it has the most powerful encryption available. It's a great offer, Paul, with this. Yeah, go to expressvpn.com slash outkick360. You get extra three months free in your one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash outkick360. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash outkick360. Expressvpn.com slash outkick360. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. That could be Florence, Alabama, Muscle Shoals, Huntsville, Knoxville, Tennessee, right here in Music City. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, 
Um, and uh, of course, on the podcast, uh, NFL weekend uh, coming up includes Titans and Seahawks. We'll be previewing that game and much more. Uh, another 0-1 team with a surprise, a bit of a surprise, Green Bay playing on Monday night against Detroit. No one's talking about pa- the, the Packers rebounding from their 38-3 shellacking to New Orleans. If they were to start 0-2, that would be the shock of all offseason. Well, they've got a very good situation. Of all these 0-1 teams who are supposed to be good, they draw the kind of opponent. Like the Titans, you'd like it if they were playing Jacksonville. This is the NFC equivalent of that. Green Bay comes off a terrible loss, and they get a pushover opponent. Uh, I'm not saying Detroit, you know, is automatic. But they're as close as you get in the NFC to automatic, right? A division rival who is generally beatable. Uh, The Colts don't get that with the very strong Rams team. The Titans don't get that with the tough trip to Seattle. the, The Packers are in the best situation of these teams. No one expects Green Bay to repeat or even come close to repeating what we saw last week. It was the worst loss of Aaron Rodgers' career as a starting quarterback. And they did not... They did not move the sticks on third down. They did not convert a third down until the fourth quarter against New Orleans last week in Jacksonville. Amazing. That offense. Number one offense last year. I mean, look, if if they – Paul's right. This is more about the lack of opponent in Detroit than anything else that we're not asking a bunch of questions about the Packers. But if Aaron Rodgers goes out and just looks bad again – there's – I know Aaron Rodgers is going to want to say R-E-L-A-X, relax – but there's going to be a lot of people sounding alarms at that point. If he comes out and oh, looks yeah. anywhere close to as bad as he did in, in week one, back-to-back weeks, and now against Detroit, suddenly people are going to be panicking. Oh, absolutely. I, I expect him to He'll bounce back. rebound. And, you know, Armando talked yesterday that the concern there is their offensive line. They're waiting on a key injury to return. They didn't do enough to address it on and on. But we do say, and it is true, quarterbacks make offensive lines uh, to, to a great degree. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, can't fix it personnel-wise, but he can fix a lot of things timing-wise, uh, getting rid of the ball-wise, et cetera. We'll see to what degree he does that against Detroit. And that's not a very attractive Monday night game in terms of uh, what we expect in terms of score proximity. Um. The, the flip side equivalent of the surprise factor if Green Bay were to start 0-2 would be the Philadelphia Eagles starting 2-0. and uh, Winning last week, maybe not that much of a surprise because they played Atlanta. They now host San Francisco. And I, if Jalen Hurts has the same type of performance he did last week, they'll beat San Fran. What did you home. say about San Francisco playing in the East? Isn't that a No, that's Seattle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Seattle's 14-1 um, their last 15 games in the East Coast. Yeah. So we'll talk about that once they start traveling. Um, well, they did last yeah, week. Yeah, Philadelphia, I can't, uh, I can't imagine stacking, stacking wins there. I mean, you know, this week will be full of surprises again, um, you know, so, or, or there will be some scattered. I can't see Philadelphia building on that. And uh, the Eagles fans are, you know, they're all about they, – they went from expecting the number one draft pick to expecting Super Bowl over the course of one game, uh, courtesy of what, like you said, a bad team. I will say, though, I went back and watched uh, a good bit of that Philly-Atlanta game. Wanted to see Arthur Smith in his first game, but also to see what Philly was all about. Pretty good. 
Uh, I, I don't know that they're going to beat San Francisco this week, but Hutton's right in that if they do go in there and beat San Francisco at home, that is uh, an enormous start to the season. Devontae Smith, we know what he did at Alabama. Uh, he has a touchdown in that game. There's always that big surprise. Oh, and they, they fed him the football. There's always that big surprise, right? We're not expecting it, and a quarterback breaks out. A team, their defense is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've got a good baseline start with a good defense. If Hurts can look anything like that, I know it was Atlanta, but if he can look anything like that and they get Devontae Smith going quickly like they did in game one, that's a team to watch in that division. And nationally, that team's just been out, out of the conversation in the Completely. NFC East. They've been in the conversation for number one pick. Yes. Well, and again, I would take, if we're looking at, at that division, uh, setting the Giants aside right now, that 0-2, Washington with Taylor Heineke, I'm not buying in on that right now. Um, Dallas offense, yes. Defense, no. If Philly can have a good offense paired with their really good defense, I, I would be fine taking them in that division. I'm also paying attention to two other matchups in the in a, or the AFC North. Um, first, Pittsburgh and Vegas. Um, I, I mentioned briefly during, I believe, McLean's segment, maybe Armando's segment this week. Um, it was Armando. The five years where Roethlisberger has missed the postseason, they've been one game out. And all of those seasons have included a loss to the Oakland Raiders. So these early season matchup, but the conference matchups matter. And right now the Raiders have a game over the Ravens. Can they get another one over the Steelers? The Steelers can start 2-0 after a win against Buffalo. And then there's Cincinnati. Cincinnati won in overtime as time expired in that game last week. And they come back. Joe Mixon leads the NFL after one week with missed tackles, uh, forced missed tackles. Uh, I believe he had six or seven in week one. Joe Burrow is willing to stand in there and battle. Um, they can spread it around. Their rookie, Jamar Chase, uh, believe it or not, can see the football and can catch. Uh, he showed us that in week one, despite what everyone was talking about in the preseason. If Cincinnati can go on the road and win at Soldier Field, they sh- they're good enough to beat Chicago. That sets up Pittsburgh-Cincinnati in week three. And that, that's an early season divisional matchup where you could have two 2-0 two teams uh, where no one was talking about Cincinnati, much like Philadelphia. Yep. The Bengals have positioned themselves, again, early, positioned themselves to jump out with an early lead because of the Ravens' overtime loss on Monday night. I love forecasting the teams this early in the year that we were not talking anything about in the preseason that we may be talking about weeks three through six. It's kind of a factor fiction week in a way. You know, it's like, are the Titans that bad? Probably not, but we'll find out. They're doing a lot of talking this week. They have a chance to back it up in Seattle. Uh, Indy, they lose at home. Can they turn around and actually beat a really good Rams team? At least a Rams team we think is really, really good with Matthew Stafford after they blew out the Bears at home on Monday night. Now the Rams travel on the road to Indy. It is a believe-it-or-not type weekend for a lot of these 0-1 teams and 1-0 teams for that matter. I I know this is relatively minor. I I don't like the scheduling quirk. Oakland opens with two AFC North teams. Titans and Indy both open with two NFC West, West teams. Uh, just mix it up better. I mean, they go... You, uh, <laughs> it's easy to say that. How many 
versions of a schedule yeah, that they try three, to figure out? Three like 700, million. 700 so in, million? In 700 million schedule <laughs> permutations, there this isn't one, one worth the best. where the Colts don't open with back-to-back NFC I don't know. I mean, Titans it's don't? a great question. Um, think about how bad these other schedules must have been. I'd the love other to get 600 inside, million of them. I'd love to get inside the algorithm to see how this is the best option. I understand that it's incredibly that. complicated. But I also think things like this, they just don't even I, I will take about. I will take back-to-back or even three straight matchups against another division or whatever it may be if you avoid that interdivision game that's three weeks apart. Quick rematch. The I quick hate, that's turnaround my rematch. Least I, if you can avoid those and you get, you know, the Titans playing two NFC West opponents yeah. in back-to-back weeks or the Raiders playing two AFC North opponents, I, I'll take it. Uh, and then that leads us to Sunday Night Football. We'll stay in the AFC North. Browns, Chiefs, or excuse me, Ravens, Chiefs, excuse me. Browns are also, uh, they host the Texans. That's the game the Browns should win. There's a funny fantasy storyline to the Ravens right now because Tyson Williams, who had a good first half and then didn't touch the ball much yeah. in the second half, who's the offensive coordinator in, uh, in Baltimore, he said, he said in a just super fantasy deflating comment, when they asked him about it, he just said flat out, he said, yeah, the days of a lead back here are, are over. We're going to rotate guys in and play everybody. And immediately, great fantasy players everywhere just went and adjusted Greg their Roman. lineup. Greg Roman. Sorry, we should have known that. Uh, fantasy players everywhere just sold or, dump, <laughs> or dumped Ravens, right? <laughs> and went to other teams that have a more dedicated RB1. Well, it's hard to, uh, to buy into the Ravens when they're on, they're, they start the season with their fourth-string guy. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, it's their fourth string guy was good in the first half. So they you lead think, the, hey, they, they lead the NFL in rushing. They found a good guy. They're going away from their good guy. Yeah, it's also funny to yeah. hear. We've got to get to love you on Bell. Well, to hear Greg Roman say that, uh, given that their star lead back is injured. Oh, no, it's really a trend across the league that we're just going to play everyone <laughs> equal snap. Like, no, that's what happens when you're down to your fourth running back. You're going to spread it out more instead of giving. If you have Derrick Henry, for instance, He's going to get the bulk yeah, of the, the carries every single there. time. It's, it's very team. It's exclusive to each team as to how you go about it. Well, I don't know if he was saying it for the league or saying it for them, but it's definitely over for them. Well, right now it's Latavius Murray. He's going to get the bulk of the carries, right? Yep. Uh, as a guy who drafted Tyson Williams, I, I hope it's Williams. It's going to be Latavius Murray and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And the bulk of the carries. Yeah. So the Browns hosting the Texans. Uh, if the Browns were to start 0-2, everyone thinks, oh, the Browns are for real. You know, the, the, the Kansas City did Kansas City things in week one. If Houston goes on the road and starts 2-0, <laughs> what are, well, we, know that what are that we doing does, spending our time well, previous like, this league? Does that, that one's that not point? sustainable? I, I would question the reality of everything. Are we in a room right now, or is this just some <laughs> sort get, of <laughs> matrix scenario where it's all an abstract <laughs> vision of our mind? If Houston starts 2-0, and, go, and beats Cleveland, and Cleveland's 0-2, I mean, that would, that would just set the world spinning in a different direction. I mean, Paul, you mentioned this uh, last week on this, uh, a week ago today. You said, hey, there's a chance where Houston's 1-0 and and the rest of the division is 0-1. Uh, could we see that 2-0 and 0-2? Yeah, I didn't go that far, but uh, maybe. I had a, um, 
Uh, dad. Like John McClain comes out here and says, I told you guys are trying to win. <laughs> this team's winning the Super Bowl this year. A dad of one of Simon's best friends at the big middle school football game yesterday yeah. approached me at the end. And <laughs> after he made the, uh, the requisite Titans kicking joke about how the middle school kicker was available for the Titans, <laughs> which everybody in the stadium was thinking after he nailed an extra point off the, off the crossbar, uh, he said, lock, it in. Lock, nailed it. lock of the week. Denver minus six uh, against the Jags. And uh, it's now minus five and a half, I think. But uh, he's right. Uh, I, think, I think as you get further and further with the Jags, if they play the way they've played, that number's going to be in double digits on a weekly basis. Yeah. And until it is, you've got to grab it. Ch- Chad picks up his phone and, Look at him. and goes. I mean, that's the kind of game you got to bet 50 bucks on. Paul, Paul just in, inspired me to go to the FanDuel Sportsbook on my phone right now. I was like, six? Okay. The pr- the, the, I haven't even looked at that game yet. The good news for Jacksonville in, in some way. Jags fans can take solace in the fact that Trevor Lawrence is their best player on the roster. The bad news is is that their rookie quarterback is their best player yeah, on their roster. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a long year. Um, you know, there, there are bumps along the way, and he's going to play extremely well some of these games, and they'll end up getting, you know, I don't know, Paul, if you agree, three or four wins yeah. by the end of the year. I mean, it's um, amazing that that happens, though, with a team that drafts that high every year. That you don't. I mean, there there's some talent on that team, but they switch coaches every three years too. Isn't for a that reason. incredible though? That when you, I mean, you would think yeah. you consistently draft that high, you're going to look around and say, "Whoa, we got some good young pieces here." You know, there's some really talented players that. But you're right; it's Trevor Lawrence than everyone else. Well, then they tr- they end up trading away their malcontents. You know, Jalen Ramsey's no longer there. Um, Jalen Ramsey's a shutdown corner, one of the few true shutdown corners in the league. When you look at his stats against the best wide receivers in the league, man to man, it's incredible. Um, guys they've invested in aren't there anymore. In Gakwe, right? Who's yeah. That? yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's another one I can think of that's uh, no longer in it's Jacksonville. It's just a mess. It's going to take a while to clean it up. And, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in you. You're in a the firm believer they, in Urban Meyer, right? I'm that a he's going to be the guy. believer that, clean, that clean he's not going to be the guy. And they, yeah. tried, they tried to give patience. To Dave Caldwell. I mean, he had a long, oh, yeah, a long leash. Time. He survived much is, longer is than we patient. thought. Well, so did Marone. I mean, they get patience to both of them. You know, and then they survived Coughlin, <laughs> which is unbelievable. Yeah. And Coughlin, you know, is invested in that organization from the from the first time through, but he's not the right kind of guy. That the generation the new generation of how the NFL works doesn't have room for a Tom Coughlin. So Paul, your lock of the week uh, is Denver. Is that home or away? Against Jacksonville. I didn't even look. Chad, did you see? That is in Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't care. So the Jags started home uh, this week, and they are five-and-a-half-point underdogs I literally just bet on it. I bet big. (laughs) I I bet big on it. Crazy to think that the Jags are five-and-a-half-point underdogs right now. The Tennessee Titans are (laughs) six-and-a-half-point underdogs at Seattle. Uh, Crazy times. Yeah. And Something the doesn't Texas match up there. The this is one of those weeks where um, it, it just does it, – it's one of those games. Take the Titans out of it. Everyone's talking Seattle. Everyone is discussing how terrible and just putrid the Titans are. Something doesn't add usually up where – Usually that game goes the usually other flips. direction. Yeah. But Randy Bullock, the, the three hero. of us being close to it, it's hard. I, like, that's a game I would never touch. I don't bet that. No one's, no one's picking them, like, in uh, parlays where you see FanDuel tweets. And no, everyone's staying away from that game. I mean, I fully expect the Titans to play much better. 
in this game. There's going to be a bounce back. There well, has not, to be a bounce but back. You're, yeah, but the I way still you've think, talked is like they'll play much better, but they'll lose. I still think they're going to lose a close game. I mean, I see them losing by a field goal. They're doing a lot of chatting, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Again, they have a game to play. We'll find out. Uh, but after all the discussion this week about wake-up calls and needing to be you know, refreshed and geared and focused and a, 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 an outlook that's uh, professional, uh, for lack of a better term. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing all of their quotes into one. Um, if they go and lose and fly, what are you thinking on the flight back after needing a jolt? Yeah, you've got some issues. They usually rebound well. They do. But they, again, they this play is a well terrible as the underdog. Draw. Terrible draw. They play well with the chip on their shoulder. Arizona had that last week. And you need some personal responses if you're the Tennessee Titans. From Lawan, from Julio Jones from a replacement kicker, uh, from Bowen and, and uh, Downey, I think. There's some, some specific personal responses in addition to overall team sure. thing with the effort and the passion and the fire and all of that. If they come out flat in this game, not that they can't recover from it, but it'll, it'll really pose a lot of questions about how it's conceivable that they come out flat. And they're going to be following, like you said, at Macklemore, which isn't a big deal to us, but it'll, it'll get the crowd in a frenzy well, at a very difficult place to play. Uh, the loudest stadium in the league, if it's not that, it's Denver, right? Yeah, no, it's the loudest. Well, loudest, but I'm saying, like, according to Guinness. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is, but, uh, or Kansas City. It's one of the three. Um, they, they have not been to a game in Seattle with fans in 18 months. That is going to be a crazy atmosphere. Well, at least they don't have a bunch of kids in the lineup who can't handle it because their kids don't play. Well, right. Yeah. There's a I'm, silver lining for I'm, you. Uh, a lot of veterans going to be out there, not a lot of rookies. I, I'm just I'm eager to see how these the, the, this Titans locker room responds. I expect them to, I'm with Chad. I expect them to play a ton better. Uh, we'll preview the specific matchups coming up a bit later in today's show. Did you see, by the way, Marcus Spears on ESPN NFL Live rip into the Titans defense? I've not watched the video. I saw the, the quotes that were put around the video, but I have not seen the entire video. He talked yet. specifically about that play that I brought up with, uh, with Shane Bowen mm-hmm. yesterday about the, the zero coverage and the, uh, the zero blitz and the off coverage. The thing I like, like that. The thing I like about the show, it's a very – it's a – TV show that's made for radio. Loose. Me, yeah, very loose, yes. Where you can tell they set him up to just rip oh. into what he watched defensively from the Titans. And by the way, imagine if the Titans didn't get a couple stops. The Titans actually, the defense kept them in the game, believe it or not. It, was, it wasn't much of a game, but you follow me here. Yeah. The offense did nothing. Settle down a little bit. Uh, if not for the defense, this would have been like a 59 nothing type performance that we saw a decade ago. Hopefully not that 12 bad. Year, but, 12 years ago. Because um, it was on Simon's birthday, which they, is coming they, up. They, okay. They, they, set up, they set up Spears, and he says, the quote was, I'm pissed off about this defense, y'all. Competence, bro. That defense was so undisciplined. And he went on to say, like, for a defense that was so bad a year ago, to look as undisciplined as they were in week one is unacceptable. And he went into the play that you're talking about as an example of one of many from this game against Kyler Murray? The, the most disturbing thing, really, the more I've thought about what Shane Bowen said about that play, is that Kevin Byard was where they want him. So they want Kevin Byard eight yards off of DeAndre Hopkins in the slot as he catches the ball, which is a no-win situation. 
no matter how well Bayard is playing. So conceptually, that's just a big problem. We need to get, and we will, especially if, if Bayard has a hard time this weekend. Kevin Bayard didn't turn into a bad player overnight. No. But this scheme has turned Kevin Bayard. He had an interception a, in this game. Yeah. But still, he, he had other life. plays where yeah. he took some bad angles and stuff. This defense is not accommodating Kevin Byard. And uh, if it keeps going this direction, we need to have an extensive conversation about that. Well, I think last year, part of it, and I agree, we will have an extensive conversation if it, it, if it deserves it. I think part of that, Paul, is the injuries that they had in the secondary and how they tried to overcompensate using him in certain ways where it took away some of his best assets. They also played left-right last year at yeah. safety, which I don't understand. Um, I don't know. He, he's, he's not the player through last year and this one game, though he had the pick, mm -hmm. that he was prior to that. And it's not like he's old enough to have hit some sort of wall or anything. We I know agree. what he's capable of. He hasn't been doing it for 18 games now. Last year, the playoff game and this game. That, that to me, is increasingly obviously on coaches, though he didn't play well. Paul's headed to Seattle for Titans-Seahawks. Chad and I, we're about to head to Gainesville this evening. And uh, we will see Alabama and Florida tomorrow. We will get into a game preview of the big SEC matchup where the Crimson Tide reload year after year after year after putting so many players into the NFL. It, it's crazy. Uh, Monday night, there was a, a play that involved like six or seven former Alabama players on the field making blocks or making big plays or making a tackle. It's, it's nuts to look around and see what they're accomplishing uh, as a program under Nick Saban. We'll put that into perspective uh, since 2010, what they've done at the NFL level and what they're about to do again. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick's college football contributor Bobby Carpenter joins us in 30 minutes. Outkick 360. We are live from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Shout out to Dylan Taylor, Jonathan Moulton for making the show happen today. David Reed is the chairman of the board. Chad and I headed to Gainesville. Tomorrow morning, uh, we will kick off Outkick the Tailgate. We are live at 9 a.m. Eastern from college campuses across the South, all college football season long with Outkick and Fox. Uh, Chad, we head to Gainesville tomorrow. The, the tailgate bus will be set up right behind center field of the uh, baseball stadium, uh, previewing Florida and Alabama. Looking forward to what's going to be a fun season and kicking it off with the number one team of the country. Well, and kicking it off with what, what is the first true, legit, enormous SEC game. With all due respect to Kentucky and Missouri last yeah. week, which was a nice SEC network, nice game. Uh, the big boys are playing now with Florida and Alabama. By the way, first visit for Alabama to the Swamp since 2011, which is a crime. Wow. Hutton, you want to go to the complete you know, 12-game SEC schedule, which would eliminate a lot of this? The SEC, though, does need to find a way to do a better job of getting more teams in the rotation more often. Uh, really looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing the atmosphere. I don't think this game is going to be particularly close, though. I think the line is now down to 14 and a half. It was at 15 and a half yesterday. If it's going to, yeah, it was. If it's going to be close, Chad, they need to play Richardson and only play Richardson. Here, though, is where I think that maybe it will be close. You got 
two sides of this coin in this game. Alabama right now is all passing game, and their passing mm-hmm. game is enough to destroy anyone in America. They've got really good running backs. Their running game, though, has been very blah so far this, this season. So I don't think Florida has to put a specific uh, interest into the running game and stopping it. So defensively, Florida's got some guys that could do some things against Alabama's passing attack. So maybe they slow them down a little bit that way. But on the flip side of it, Florida's got the second-best rushing attack in America, and they're not great passing the ball. So for Alabama, who has, by the way, this is scary to think about, but maybe the best Alabama defense top to bottom since 2016, so the last five years, this is a very good Alabama defense. Their whole, uh, their whole emphasis is on stacking it up and making sure either Richardson or Jones can't get out and get going in the open field, running from the quarterback position. Miami and Mercer are who Alabama has played so far. So let's just put this in perspective as I go through some of Bryce Young's stats. Florida needs to blitz and blitz often against him. Can they rattle Young early in in this game in the first half and get into the third quarter where you've got it within a score? 57% completion percentage against the blitz. And while you can say, okay, that's, that's not terrible, that's 11th in the SEC currently against the Blitz. So that's Bryce Young right now. He's also one of 10 on throws beyond 20 yards or more. He's only completed one pass where the ball's over 20 yards in the air. So it's a lot of catch and run. Can they force the deep ball from Young and make some plays and get some takeaways? That is crucial uh, for the Alabama quarterback, who's been good. He has seven touchdown passes, no interceptions, but it's not like they're hitting the massive plays uh, they are very efficient. Can Florida rattle him? That's, that's option one. And then option two to stay in the game, to me, is playing Richardson. Do we expect both quarterbacks? And, and At Florida? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. It, Mullen does, has said that. Does it, does it totally tell what they're doing when they're, when they're on the field? Richardson no, more of a runner? No, they're because they're both dual threat guys. I mean, both uh, – I would even say right now both would prefer to run before pass uh, as a quarterback. So I think they're both very similar. Yeah. Richardson is the better overall athlete. The, uh, Emory Jones has more experience. I mean, I, I really think it's, it's as simple as that, breaking it down. Hutton, you mentioned that one for seven with passes over 20 yards in the air. One for ten. One for ten now. Um, just looking at the Miami game, because I really don't take much at all right. against right. Mercer, even though they were 55-point favorites and won by 34, which I know <laughs> has Alabama fans up in arms. Uh, I, I've listened to two different podcasts getting ready for this game, yeah. one from an Alabama perspective, one from a Florida perspective. And the Alabama, I mean, it is amazing what people who cover Alabama now have to get furious about. Like that, They are so concerned with penalties and a 34-point win over Mercer that it's just – these kids think they've, you know, they just put on that Alabama <laughs> helmet and that's good enough to win. Well, I'm here to tell them Coach Saban's right, and there's no way they can just put on that helmet, roll out, and win games. They got a lot of waking up, and I'm thinking, you're, you're going to be fine, and you're fine against Mercer also. But that Miami game specifically, the Bill O'Brien influence on this offense, and we've seen it a lot with Alabama in recent years, 28% of their plays in that game were either bubble screens or RPOs. So more than a quarter of their offense is very much the quick Mm -hmm. passing game. Quick strike, quick attack, throwing it out quickly. So the percentages deep down the field and taking shots, not good right now for Bryce Young, but they've been very effective with that screen game. It it is amazing 
how quickly they reload. It doesn't take them half the season to figure out who their guys are. They just replace. They've had four first-round wide receivers selected in the last two drafts. They had six first-round players selected last year, eight in the top two rounds. No other team had more than two. I mean, and, and yet it is just a wave of talent year after year. 2020, uh, they had four first-rounders, seven in the top two rounds. 2019, three in the first, four players selected in the second. 2018, four first-rounders. 2017, four first-rounders, three in the second. I mean, it's just talent after talent after talent year after year where they're upset if they're not winning by 55 over Mercer they're I mean imagine what they're taking for granted here where they have five star after five star replacing these guys and it's just a develop it's a developmental team for NFL it is NFL you I can't even imagine what it's like to be an Alabama fan right now like I can't even comprehend it I can't I'm listening to these things I can't comprehend being nervous because your team won by 34 points to get someone and being upset about that. But that's where Alabama is right now. I wonder if Alabama-Florida is the top game for Chad Withrow's top five games of the week in college football. He'll unveil those next. And then Bobby Carpenter joins us in 20 minutes on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.